Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Evan Porras, Dr. of Physical Therapy Medical Analyst at FantasyPoints.com. Today we have a different treat, one that the PT, ATC, uh, PTA, you know, sports med crowd is really going to, I think, eat up. We have a University of Delaware graduate with his bachelor's and a University of Southern California DPT, Dr. of Physical Therapy, and a University of Southern California sports residency. Then in 2016, he went on. Well, let's see, 2008, he was a summer intern for the Carolina Panthers, 2014 to 2016, he was a Buffalo Bills assistant athletic trainer, PT, 2016 to now, he has been with the Los Angeles Rams as the assistant athletic trainer and physical therapist. He is Jay Hearns, that's J-H-E-R-N-Z-Z-Z on Instagram, and John Hernandez, DPT on Twitter. Is there anywhere else we can find you, Dr. John Hernandez? No, no, that's it. Actually, once you spell out my Instagram handle, it sounds kind of weird. It's like almost <laughs> Was that intentional? There, there are three Z's there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I got to ask you, though. Is it is it John Hernandez or John Hernandez? John Hernandez. Uh, I'm, full, I'm Filipino, so okay. I guess you can add a little bit of the Hispanic flair to it if you'd like. But... A little last time. Yeah, just <laughs> so I really appreciate you coming on, man. I, I bugged I bugged John for two, three months or something like that. Yeah. He was probably like, Man, what is this nerd that just does fake football stuff? I'm doing real football stuff. What does he want out of me? But what I wanted to get John on for is to talk about um, something a little different, something that I think a lot of physical therapy students um, and people in general want to know more about, and that's the inner workings of like how to get and break into the National Football League as the current assistant athletic trainer and PT of the Rams. John has, you probably have a ton of knowledge on this. So what I, what I want to know first is, well, first of all, again, I want to thank you for coming on, but I want to know, do you have hobbies outside of football? I mean, of course you, you like PT, right? Strength and conditioning stuff, athletic training stuff. What do you like outside of that? Yeah. You know what? Uh, the job really consumes my day to day. You know, this is kind of the time where we have that extra, time like we actually have weekends and i say you know this is all season we have reduced hours but reduced hours are like normal nine to five hours monday through friday so it's kind of like yeah we went from working every day you know 12 plus hours a week or 12 plus hours a day to now working the nine to five and this is you know normal or this is a reduced break for us so you know i usually i enjoy golf i'm not the best at it um i used to play a decent amount when I was younger in college and grad school, but I definitely fell off the wagon. And a lot of people play golf, players, you know, my coworkers, um, other coaches. So that, that's a game I'm definitely trying to pick back up because, you know, I, it's something that everyone does. And, you know, it's super fun, especially if you go with a big group of your friends and stuff like that. So definitely something I'm trying to pick back up and, you know, pick up the set a little bit. But other than that, big basketball fan. Um, I grew up watching basketball, playing basketball. That was actually my main sport growing up. So I would say that was kind of like my day one passion. So being able to, you know, watch as much basketball as I can um, definitely helps kind of reinvigorate that that passion. You like college and NBA or just one? You know, I definitely gravitated towards the NBA. Obviously, you know, with March Madness, how can you not get involved right. in that stuff? You know, with just the pools and all that stuff. But, you know, for the most part, NBA. Absolutely. Are you, are you Lakers? I'm going to assume. Uh, you know, don't, don't say Clippers. Don't say Clippers. I'll, I'll get killed. I'll get killed if I say, 
Yeah, I'm a Lakers fan because I grew up on the East Coast. You know, I grew up I grew up a Nets fan. Oof, the like, Nets, the Jersey Nets, though. Yeah, the Jersey Nets. That's like Jason Kidd, Kenny Martin. Uh, oh Ray man, that was a good team. Yeah, yeah. So didn't was- they steal one from Kobe? What's up? Didn't they? Weren't they one of the teams that beat? Didn't they beat the Lakers in the finals for some no, reason? The That's- Pistons did. The Detroit Pistons. Oh, that was a Pistons. They played, them. That's right. they played the Lakers, but they got smacked. So. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people got smacked. Though. A lot of people got smacked. Though. Yeah, they with that team, a lot of they gave it to a lot of teams. So I just really go to the finals. I think was cool. But you know, coming out here again, you can't help but you know be surrounded by the the energy and you know the passion from all the Lakers fans. So I, I would say I'm a, I'm an adopted Lakers fan for sure. There you go, man. That's uh, that's good enough for me. So I wanted to talk a little bit. You mentioned how the hours are reduced. It's nuts that you go to work nine to five and you're like, yeah, those are reduced hours. Explain. Can you please explain to me how, what your schedule, like, could you walk me through maybe a day and a week? Uh, let's say whatever week seven of the NFL season, it's, you know, mid November. What does a day and a week look like for you? So, you know, if, if you're just going off a normal week, you're playing Sunday to Sunday. So Sunday is the game, whether it be home or away. You know, we do always uh, have a day, the next day, Monday, where guys come in and get a little workout in. It's kind of a triage day. So the follow-up from the game, we follow up with guys that, you know, got hurt, injured during the game. And, you know, we encourage guys to lift because we're big proponents of active recovery and getting that we call it getting the game out of your system. So, you know, a light little flush run, a little bit of a lift, you know, work on some things, get guys turned over uh, for the week. And we also kind of go through rehabs. We meet as a performance staff just to go over some things. And that's kind of our typical Monday. Tuesday is normally a, a player's day off, but that's definitely not a day off for us. So for us, that's more of a recovery and treatment day where guys come in, they get recovery, and they also get treatment. Guys who are hurt, who have ongoing issues, that's the time they they can have to kind of get that work in. And then we usually have two sessions of that just to make sure we stay on top of some things, especially if they have a chance to play the following week. And then Wednesday is when we start ramping some stuff back up. So Wednesday is a practice day. So in the morning, there's usually treatment, and then guys go to meetings. Then what, what they'll normally do is They'll switch off offense, defense. So one group will lift, one group will meet. And then after that, we'll go to uh, kind of like a walkthrough type deal. And after that, you know, guys get ready for practice. They practice. And during that time, I'm usually out there covering practice, um, either water coverage or just watching the field just in case anyone gets hurt. If not, I'll stay in and continue rehabbing guys that maybe aren't ready to practice yet, but can still benefit from treatment and rehab. Sorry about that. Um, no, you're okay. And then, you know, after practice, we'll have post-practice treatments and recovery. They'll go into meetings, and then we'll normally have uh, another treatment session after that as well. So we get a decent amount of treatment sessions in in a day. Thursday is basically the same. Friday's a little shorter. Friday's a little bit abbreviated. We'll get out, you know, maybe by like two or three o'clock. And then Saturday's just a walkthrough and that's pretty much the day. But, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, those are kind of the bulk of the week. And, and so what are your hours during those? Like, are you getting up at, you know, 6 a.m.? What time are you rolling in? What time are you leaving usually? 
Yeah, like I'm weird, so I love working out in the morning. So I'm. Usually, oh yeah, you're a weirdo, man. Yeah, oh god, working out in the morning. <laughs> I usually like to get that out of the way. So you know, typically I'll probably wake up around four thirty, go in, get what? my in, and then you know, normally treatment starts around like seven o'clock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I like getting it out of the way. So when the day is done, the day is done. Come home. And, you know, that's pretty much my day. So I also so you're there. What time's your day over? What's up? What time's your day over generally? Uh, I'd say on average, maybe like six, six-ish, seven-ish. Okay. And so even if you didn't get up like a maniac and work out at 4.30 in the morning, you would be at the facility from seven to five or six every day. I would say, I, I would say call it even six to six. Even six to six. That's a 12-hour day. So you're working, you know. Every day, a 12-hour day. And I, and I ask you this because I know, just based off some friends that I've talked to, of what it's like just as an athletic trainer in general. Like you guys and, and the PTs obviously put in so much work. And yet there are so many PT students, myself included. I was in this boat at one point. I was like, man, I think it'd be so cool to work, to, to work with NCAA athletes and NFL, NBA. Like that, would be, that looks like such a sweet gig. And I heard a quote the other day. I wish I could remember who, who said it, but it was something like people want to be what it looks like until they know what it feels like. And I think that really scares a lot of people away. Can you talk to that and talk about that a little bit? Maybe why didn't it scare you away? Tell me about that. Or am I wrong? Am I way off base? You are right on the money. That is a great quote. I'll have to Google that because that is awesome and really all encompassing to what it is in working in pro sports as a sports med clinician. Because, you know, I really think my background in athletic training prepared me for it. You know, when I was at Delaware, um, my goal was to get to PT school so I could either go one of two routes. I could either go exercise science, exercise physiology, kinesiology route, which is, you know, basically a lot of the didactic courses and you get all the prerequisites done for PT school or I go the athletic training route or I get more practical experience but I have to kind of go out of my way to get those prerequisites done for PT school. So in the curriculum, you know, say, you know, physics to chemistry two and biology two weren't part of the curriculum, but I had to get those done. So I had to go out of my way. I had to take winter classes. I had to take summer classes just to complete those and fulfill those just to be able to apply to PT school while also doing athletic training, you know, coverage. So for me, I think it was just being able to work around these athletic trainers and build good habits um, from the get-go. And that just never really left me, honestly. Um, those are things that are just kind of instilled in how I go about the day. And I will say this one thing too is, you know, for me, I love the staff that I work for, um, the staff that I work with, the organization I work for. So to me, you know, it's a little cliche, but, you know, I haven't worked a day in my life because I honestly – you know, wholeheartedly love what I do and love where I'm at right now. So I think some people get scared of, oh man, it's, you know, 12 hours a day and blah, blah, blah. blah. But to me, you know, that stuff flies by. It doesn't even feel like a whole day like that because, you know, I honestly truly do love what I do and love the people I do it with. So for me, I think once you kind of get over that hurdle of that and focus on those things, I think that is less daunting than you think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you love doing what you're doing, then it doesn't ever doesn't ever really feel like it was something that took a lot of effort. Although looking back, you're like, man, 
I must have been nuts. Like even me, who I don't work at anything similar to your schedule or anything like that. But I even even just like the idea of physical therapy school, I'm like, man, my undergrad, I worked hard to get good grades, man. Why did I do that? Like that was hard. And I look back on some of the things and I'm like, man, that was hard. But it doesn't seem like in the moment because you're chasing something you want to do. So I, I totally understand what you what you mean by that. So what else would you have to say, though, in terms of your specific uh, story? Maybe tell us a little bit more about, you know, how did you end up with the Panthers in 2008? Like, what did that look like? And where did you go from there and everything? What did you learn? Yeah. So, you know, I, in high school, I kind of all started in high school. You know, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do in college. I wasn't sure what I wanted to major in. I was thinking engineering. I was thinking business, maybe. I was thinking culinary school. You know, that's also still something I kind of, you know, try and hold on to a little bit. But, you know, when I was trying to make that decision at the time, my, my father worked for the State Department and he was stationed in Cambodia. So one summer, I actually went out to visit him for about a month while he was stationed out there. And, you know, I didn't really know anybody, obviously a different country. So and I was there for a month. So, you know, I was kind of thinking to myself, what do I do out here? And my dad actually set up a volunteer experience for me to work at a rehab clinic. And it was a clinic that mainly worked with children who were landmine victims. So they had missing limbs, missing extremities, and they're kind of learning how to cope and deal with those injuries, but also to learning how to use prosthetic limbs and kind of uh, regain their function and be able to do these ADLs with these new um, prostheses. So from that you know, just being able to see the impact a physical therapist could have on someone and seeing the progression of their function and seeing how they can really impact their life in regards to really what they can do physically. So literally, like I couldn't walk, work with a physical therapist, and I was able to walk. It kind of that simple concept was just mind blowing to me when I was in high school. So that really, I, I gravitated towards that. There was something that kind of caught my, you know, my passion in my eyes. So that's where we really started. So from there, you know, that's where I focused in on pursuing physical therapy and doing athletic training at University of Delaware was just a means to get there. So, you know, when I was at Delaware doing athletic training, upperclassmen were getting NFL internships, summer internships. This is kind of, you know, crazy cool concept. Like, man, I can you know, do a summer internship in the NFL. That's awesome. So one of the upperclassmen actually did a summer internship with the Buffalo Bills. And when he came back to school, the Buffalo Bills were playing the Philadelphia Eagles. And he was going to go help, you know, with a game, going to help the Buffalo Bills staff with a game. So he asked me, he's like, hey, man, you know, I had a you know pretty good relationship with him. He's like, hey, man, do you want to come with me? and meet the Buffalo Bills staff and, you know, work and, you know, maybe you can do a summer internship. I was like, shit, hell yeah, man. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, where do I sign up? So I go there and I, I go to, I don't know what the Eagle Stadium was named at that time. If, if it was looking financial back then, 2008, I don't know. But, you know, I go there and mind you, this is probably like my second time in an NFL stadium. So I go there, I meet the staff and they're like, Hey, you know, you're just going to help us, you know, hand out water, hydrate guys. I was like, yeah, whatever you need me to do, I'll do hand out towels, anything. So I'm on the sideline. I have a water ball in my hand. I have a towel in my hand. I'm just, you know, kind of literally just giving guys water. 
And my first exposure to just NFL fans was this game because the last time I was at an NFL game, I was little. I didn't really get a good appreciation for what was going on. The amount of shit I was getting from the fans in Philly, just trash talking me, just giving me all sorts of crap all game. Like, oh, you fucking water boy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, what the hell are you doing, you fucking little kid, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, what the hell is this? Like, what the hell did I get myself into? Um, so I'm like, not necessarily that like that grabbed me, but I was like, damn, this is like, is this what the NFL is all about? It's real, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, from, so long story short, from, they threw yeah, snowballs at Santa, man. Was that they threw snowballs at Santa? Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was like, dang, like this is what it's all about. I didn't know people were like this mean, but um, so from there, I got to know the staff. And they encouraged me to apply for a summer internship. You know, in typical me fashion, I procrastinated. I sent my resume and cover letter too late. And they told me they had actually already fulfilled all their internships for the summer. But the assistant athletic trainer I applied with actually said his buddy, who worked for the Carolina Panthers, were looking for a summer internship or a summer intern. And he said, I can forward you your stuff to him. And, you know, you guys can connect. I was like, all right, awesome. So he sends my stuff to them. This dude literally calls me like five minutes later. He's like, hey, you know, short little interview. And he offered me the position to be a summer intern. So I was like, all right, cool, bet. You know, that's an awesome experience. And I'm going to keep going with this story because it kind of comes full circle. No, um, keep going, man. Keep going. So, you know, after the internship, I was a cool, awesome NFL experience. So when I'm about to graduate athletic training school, I just got into USC. And my plan was to go to PT school. The assistant athletic trainer I had, you know, contacted, you know, maintained a good relationship with him. Sean Gibson is his name. He said, hey, you know what? We actually have a seasonal internship available. Like, are you interested? I was like, dang it, like a, a seasonal internship in the NFL. Like, that's crazy. But I just got into, P- into PT school. Like, dang, what should I do? And I was like, man, do I like you know, hold off my, you know, acceptance to USC to do this internship or do I go to USC, but who knows if this internship would be available next time. So I actually told him that was my dilemma. And he literally told me, he's like, John, go to PT school. Just go to PT school. You won't regret it. And then we'll just stay in contact and we'll just, you know, whatever happens, happens. But he literally told me, John, do not pass up this opportunity to go to PT school. Like you will regret that. I was like, all right, I trust him. So I go to PT school, go to USC, we maintain the connection, contact. Um, I'm about to s- finish PT school and trying to figure out my next move. And, you know, the sports residency is a big, or residencies are just a big thing now. And I think it's, you know, the future of PT or physical therapy. So, you know, the sports residency is something I gravitate towards. So I apply, I end up getting in. At the same time, I'm maintaining this connection with the athletic trainer in Buffalo and he says, hey, like, how about that seasonal internship? I was like, Sean, like, you got to be kidding me. I just accepted this sports residency <laughs> at USC. I, I, I can't. Like, this is the thing. He's like, dang. And so I end up doing the sports residency. So, you know, fast forward, I'm about to finish my sports residency at USC, trying to figure out the next move. And in my mind, my mind was set on, I'm going to work at an orthopedic clinic by the beach and that's that work in a sports clinic. And that's all, you know, I, that that's all that I would need to do. Cause that was like my plan. 
I was completely fine with that. So at that time, again, maintaining the connection and the relationship with the athletic trainer in Buffalo, Sean, he hits me up again. He says, Hey, you know, I don't have a seasonal internship available, but we actually might be hiring a full-time physical therapist. Would you be interested in applying? Man. So I'm looking around like, man, I, I was like set on living by the beach, working at a sports clinic. Like, I'm not going to move to Buffalo, New York. Like, what? I'm like, there's no way. So I talked to my um, my mentor at USC. She goes, John, you have to go interview. Like, <laughs> an opportunity. This is, you can't let this up. So in my mind, I'm like, you know what? I'll go in the interview. But my mind's like, there's no way I'm moving to Buffalo. Like, yeah, absolutely not. Lo and behold, I get there. And it's awesome. The guys are awesome. The staff is great. Just the vibe was right. The fit was right. Everything was cool. Um, and Buffalo wasn't too bad, you know, at, during my visit. So I ended up taking the position and, you know, worked there for two years. So then, you know, as I was in Buffalo, in my mind, I'm like, man, this is a great job. I work with great people, you know, but I just miss LA. I miss California. And I was like, man, my dream job would be to work in the NFL, but work in LA. But at the time, you know, there were no teams in LA. So then there's rumblings about the Rams moving to LA. So it gets hotter and hotter. And those two years, you know, they actually pull it off in 2016. They moved to LA. So I'm like, man, like that is literally my dream job. I need to get out there. So I end up applying. Crazy enough, the head athletic trainer for the LA Rams was the assistant athletic trainer I worked for in Carolina in 2008. <laughs> and his name is Reggie Scott, currently my boss, VP of Sports Medicine, Los Angeles Rams. And just that small connection, you know, we didn't really maintain as, you know, as tight of a relationship as I did with Sean during that time. But just that small connection and just the that alone was something that, you know, I like to say, help me, you know, get the position and get the job. And I ended up getting the job. And that's kind of like the, the full circle-ness of that story is that that relationship from 2008 kind of carried over eight years later and that ended up giving me the position I'm in now. Man, what a story. I can't, that's, the, 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 that's, a, that's such a small world, right? Yeah. I mean, you, what are the chances that you have all these connections, right? It's all, it's like the, the whatever, the degree rule, you're only like, two degrees separated from somebody you think you don't know or something like that. And that ended up working in your favor, but at the same time, right. For anybody who might be thinking, Oh, well, John just got this job because you know, <laughs> he had connections. Like I could do that shit. Yeah. That's totally incorrect. As a person who's currently in a residency that isn't in a sports residency is an orthopedic residency. I can tell you the work that it takes to work full time and be in a residency is insane. And especially for athletic trainers, because I, I would assume, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, during, uh, well, no, I mean, I'm pretty sure you have to have sideline coverage hours, right? As, as a sports trained physical therapist during your residency, that's a part of the deal, right? Is, is sideline hours? Yeah. So, you know, when I was at USC, they actually had a clinical, you know, one of the clinical rotation affiliations was actually working with USC athletics. And because now I was an athletic trainer, I actually covered a sport. Like I had a sport. The swimming and diving team was my team. So anything they needed, like I was the dude. I was mm -hmm. the trainer they came to. So it was that 
along with the, you know, the case studies, along with the mentorship and all that stuff, you know, it's equivalent, it's the equivalent of doing the clinic hours for sure. But, you know, I traveled to meets in Pullman, Washington at Washington State and went to University of Texas to cover these meets as well. So it was a little bit of travel along with that stuff that really made that experience really cool. You worked your ass off too, right? I mean, that's basically what I'm saying. That's what I'm getting at is you didn't just meet somebody and then you got the job. Like you worked your ass off to get to where you were to even be qualified for the job in the first place, right? And I think that's something that a lot of people maybe miss miss the boat on when they look at what what they think working for an NFL team or an NBA team or a college team what it, like we said earlier, what it looks like versus what it feels like. <laughs> I'm sure to you, it felt like work to get to the point where you're at, right? Yeah. Yeah. Again, like that's the thing that people I think do miss the boat on, or maybe it doesn't quite click yet until you get there, but you really can't get there until you work your ass off to get there. Um, but you know, it's a lot of hours. There, there's a lot of, you know, grunt work. There's a lot of grind. There's a lot of grit to it. And if you're not willing to do that, the other stuff doesn't, you know, just happen overnight. You, know, you got to earn your stripes a little bit. There is a little bit of that old school mentality where, you know, you have to put your hours in, you have to put the work in. This is, this stuff isn't just handed to you. And, you know, if you're not willing to do that, then you probably won't last in this arena of, you know, professional sports and sports medicine and professional sports. So I think that's probably one of the main characteristics going to have to have is that grit and hard work mentality for sure. Absolutely. What, what, what uh, advice would you have other than work your ass off, obviously, <laughs> to to PT students or maybe even undergrads who are listening to this and they're like, I want to be in John's position one day. What advice do you have? Yeah, you know, aside from the hard work, I, one thing I, I started telling, you know, young clinicians is that these pro teams don't hire bad PTs or athletic trainers. Like you have to focus on being a good clinician first. Like, you know, what's the biggest, word, how do I get my word. foot in the door? How do I do this? I was like, well, you can't even get your foot in the door if you're not a good clinician and you don't have the skill set to, you know, it's not one of those things where you get your foot in the door, then all of a sudden, you know, you're, that's that. It's like, you keep your foot in the door by, you know, what you know. What is it like you, you get places like by who you know, but what keeps you in the place is what you know or whatever. Um, something along those lines. But again, I think that is something that people have to be able to grasp is that being present and if you're in PT school, if you're a young clinician, if you're taking classes, stuff like that, being present and putting forth your best effort to do the best you can in what you're doing now sets you up for those goals, but those goals can't be attainable unless you put those building blocks in place to be able to get there first. So you know, to me, the biggest piece of advice is be where your feet are and really focus on the task at hand. Because if you start, your mind starts, you know, wandering like, oh man, I want to, you know, be a physical therapist with pro sports, but you're not willing to put the work in or even just, you know, give your full attention to some of the clinical rotations you'll, you'll do throughout your PT career. And you miss out on certain things that could give you an advantage later down your career. You know, those are valuable things that you can't take for granted. So I think that's definitely something to just focus on. Just focus on being a clinician first. What do you, what would you have to say? I want to ask you a question. Maybe you haven't been asked before, or maybe you have, I don't know. What if you're me? What if you're 27 years old, no athletic training degree, doing an orthopedic residency, just graduated, 
And I came to you and I said, John, I want to change career paths. I want to be you. I would like to be your towel boy and water boy. I want to be your <laughs> sports residency physical therapist. Yeah. Where do I start? What's your advice? Or maybe what are, what are, what are, some, what are some thoughts going through your brain? You know, it, it's funny because one thing too is there's, there's no cookie cutter way to be where I'm at. You know, my situation is very, you know, unique and it's unique to myself. I have so many other colleagues in pro sports that took, you know, different routes to get to the same place I'm at. So whatever I did or what happened to me isn't necessarily the case for everyone else. I know PTs who did an ortho residency, a sports residency, worked in a clinic and ended up in the NBA without, and they're not athletic trainers. I know clinicians who are just PTs did a sports fellowship or a sports residency sports fellowship ended up in the NFL. Um, I know clinicians who are just PTs, no residency and are in the NFL. So to, to say there's like a commonality is tough. I would say from the people I know, the common per the commonality is just, you know, their personalities. And again, they're just willing to put the hard work in and, you know, be able to do that stuff. But, you know, I think probably just to give a little bit of direction to the question, you know, trying to gain as much experience in sports as possible and not just necessarily pro sports. I think being able to volunteer at a local high school and get those, you know, hours in of just working with an athletic trainer and know what it's like to be in the athletic training room, I think is valuable. I think even just shadowing, you know, other sports medicine clinicians that work in sports clinics that maybe have NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB experience and picking their brains and seeing what it's like and having that closer connection with someone who's who's been in the pro, pro sports arena, I think is important. So that kind of, you know, decreases that gap between you and pro sports is just being able to talk to people, you know, in between there. And again, I think just being able to educate yourself on what it takes. And from there, you just have to live it. You know, working in athletic training was way different than working in the clinic. There, there are two different animals and the rapport building and the um, environment and the way in which you go about things is very different. So I think even just getting used to that is an important skill that you won't really gain until you're in it, whether it's in high school, college, pro sports, minor league sports, anything like that. Just being exposed to that, I think, is real important as well. And then just also to, um, you know, reaching out to local people that you can shadow that have that experience and picking their brain, I think, is really um, would be a really valuable thing to do as well. So I got to get into a training room. I got to get some experience and I got to, got to tape some ankles before I can be your water boys. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. 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 Get the, get those wrists and ankles taped. Yeah. Even if it's at the, uh, even if it's the, the 65 and over, you know, youth recreate or youth chase geriatric basketball tournament, right? You get experience in what you think you want to do. That way you're not shocked by the culture of it. Cause yeah, I mean, I talk about, knowing what I think I know what it's like in a training room, but I have no idea. I've never actually spent a significant amount of time in a training room. So just getting acquainted with the process itself and understanding, you know, at least being able to speak the language is what you're saying, right? Like understand what you're getting yourself into to a certain extent, but also gaining experience. So you know, it's what you want to do. Is that, is that, is that about right? 
A hundred percent. And, you know, this kind of dates back to when I was in athletic training school at Delaware. You know, we started with a, a class of 30 people that got dwindled down to nine because just working the athletic training hours and being in the clinic just wasn't for some people. It was, wasn't for, you know, 21 people out of 30. And, you know, nine of us, you know, this was a, what we wanted to do. So it kind of weeds though that weeds those people out a little bit, you know what I'm saying? So for mm-hmm. just, I was fortunate enough to realize that early on, but you know, if you do have the opportunity, take the opportunity just to get exposed to it, to know, because you know, like you could have this goal of wanting to be there this whole time. And then you get there. It's not what you expect. Wouldn't you have loved to have known that before at a high school or college level before you invested all this time to be in pro pro sports, just to be in pro sports. And that's the other thing too, is, you know, kind of, you know, from my, you know, history and stuff like that, like, you know, my whole goal wasn't to get into pro sports. You know what I'm saying? Like that wasn't my goal from the jump. My goal was to be in physical therapy was to care for other people. My heart was, has always been in that. It just, just so happens that my path led me to the NFL. Um, but when I started out, you know, my passion was physical therapy and being able to help people move better. And to me, that's always where my heart's at. So I can work at the NFL. I can work at a geriatric clinic. I can work at a peds clinic. The goal is always the same. So one piece of advice too, I'll say is like, you know, your heart has to always be in it. If your heart's just to be in pro sports, just to say I'm in pro sports, I don't think your heart's in the right place. If your heart is, you know, I wanted to be the best clinician possible to treat these people with the best possible care, I think you're set up for success no matter what, no matter where you are. Word, word. I'm not even going to add anything to that. That's perfect, man. So one more question that I did want to get. What about people who aren't necessarily in healthcare, in athletic training and physical therapy, just based on your knowledge? of being around NFL organizations and teams and players. Like what, what advice would you give any different advice for them? Would you give uh, them any type of, what insight would you give? I suppose. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I feel like a lot of the things we talked about are pretty universally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I agree. You know, kind of a- applied to the situation because, you know, you do have to put the hours in no matter what part of the organization you're in. If you're in PR, if you're in equipment, if you're strength and conditioning, um, if you're in business, like you're grinding, you know, it's, you're putting in the hours. Uh, my, my old roommate was in PR after games. He would stay after the game was done. He was writing up stuff for about six hours after the game. And I'm talking you had a Monday night game and it was, you know, however, you know, eight, nine o'clock here. I mean, he's working until 12 midnight and then, you know, driving back to our place takes about, you know, an hour from the Coliseum when we were there. So, you know, to me, again, just because you're in PR in the NFL doesn't mean it's like, you know, all roses and daisies. You still have to put in the work and your mind has to be right for that. So for me, if you ever have an opportunity to do an internship or just get experience, you know, as you get closer to this level, um, take advantage of that. Um, But if you also have mentors or know people in that space, reaching out to them just to get an idea of what it's like, I think it's also helpful too, just to make sure it's the right thing for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to switch gears a little bit and then I'll, and then we'll, I'll, I'll ask you one more question and then 
we'll get to some some quick ones that, that are going to be easy yeah, to answer. Yeah. Keep coming, man. We're rolling. So here's what I want to know. Clinically, right? And this is where some of maybe some uh, some of the audience that aren't healthcare might tune out, but I want to know. Clinically, or maybe you'll give an answer that's interesting enough for them to keep their keep their attention. Clinically, what is it like in a treatment session for you when you're dealing with these literally the top 10%, 5% of athletes in the whole world? I mean, I can work with a patient who, you know, a manual quad test is enough to know like, man, those are weak quads. You're not dealing with dudes who are, you know, oh, they have a weak quad or, oh, their hamstrings are, you know, need a little strengthening. Like you're dealing with these dudes who are basically the fittest of the fit. What is that like? How do you dissect that? How do you get to the bottom of what's going on with them? If it's not something obvious, like, oh, you know, they rolled their ankle. You know, I, I think the main thing for me is treating these guys just like any other patient, right? So if you kind of break it down and strip it down to its bare bones, these are athletes or these are patients rather that have orthopedic conditions. They can't function and you have to figure that out and you have to figure out what their goal is. Their goal is to play again. All right. You know, what is it that's bothering you? Um, breaking it down to its movement patterns, its movement analysis, but also to, to its impairments. And then, you know, being able to build that back up to what they need to do. So I think the biggest thing is realizing, you know, always having the best, your patient's best interests in mind and giving the best care you can and treating them as so. Because once you deviate from that, like you treat them like, oh, this is an elite athlete. This is, you know, you're giving them this different care you wouldn't anyone else, but as long as your main principles and goals and um, I guess attributes are always giving the best care, you know, it doesn't really matter who you're, who you're taking care of, but I do get the, oh yeah, you work with elite athletes, but you know, when they, when they get hurt, you know, Superman ain't Superman anymore. Um, you see Superman on TV, but if they get hurt, you know, these people have real, these athletes and players have real conditions where, mm -hmm. you know, they can functionally have limitations. So, you know, even though they are, you know, bigger, faster, stronger than say some of the people you might see in the clinic, you know, these things are real and, you know, those injuries are, can really cripple people. So, you know, I won't say that, you know, I will, I will, I will say that, you know, maybe some guys can come back like a tad faster. We're talking like the 0.001% that are just genetic freaks and aliens, but, <laughs> but still like they still have to go through the processes, right? They still have to go through the phases of healing. They have still have to pass these functional um, landmarks that we have to be able to set for them and make sure they meet. You have to make sure they can protect themselves. We have to make sure that they can be safe. They have to make sure that, you know, if they do require taping or bracing, that we pick the right ones. So, you know, again, even though it's on a bigger stage, um, you're still going about it the same way as you would another patient. And I think as long as you always have that mindset, you know, you'll have so success no matter what. Absolutely. And this sort of leads to my next question that, and honestly, if you don't want to answer it, or if you want me to edit it out, then I definitely will. I'll do my best to sort of keep it, keep it broad. I have disagreements with people who often blame medical staffs of teams. We'll, we'll just keep it general, like even, you know, division one teams mm -hmm. They're like, Oh, you know, they had so many athletes who were injured and I'm 
constantly on the side of what you just said. This is what prompted me to say it. I'm you're constantly looking, especially physical therapists, 99% of us want what's best for the patient. Not that other providers don't, but PTs are specifically called, you know, the bartenders or whatever the hairdressers of, of, of healthcare, because we listen to them. We know what they want. We spend the most time with them. We, we need the best for them. So is there ever friction between, you know, what you think should happen with a rehab course versus what may be organizationally um, and generally speaking again, do you, do you see that happen? Is that, is there ever friction between healthcare team and maybe, maybe above, you know, another sector of the, of the organization? So I'm, I'm really fortunate to work for a great boss. Uh, you know, Reggie, he does an awesome job at first of all, educating everybody and making sure there's a open line of communication you know, from coaching staffs, you know, GM, player, agent, whatever it is. So as long as you, you know, provide all the information to everybody, you know, you're not hiding anything. Um, but you, at the end of the day, you have your the player's best interests in mind. You know, you avoid certain things like that. It's like, oh, well, you told me this, but he's that. I was like, no, I educated you from the jump, um, you know, and I think once you do that for a long amount of time, that's where, you know, those conflicts just dissipate a little bit because again, you know, you have your player's best interests in mind, but also too, you, I mean, to keep it, you know, you know, very transparent, you just keep it real with them. Um, and I think that's right. one thing that people at the end of the day respect. I mean, shit, you just keep it real with them you know, those things just are avoided. So, you know, you can play the blame game all you want, but you can't point the, you can't point the finger at someone being, you know, truthful to you. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you can. (laughs) Well, yeah, people do, right. You can. So it doesn't mean that it's make it right. Like you can still get blame, but I think you could sleep better at night knowing, you know, you put your best foot forward. Um, You put the player's best interest in mind. Um, if it's a safety issue, it's a safety issue and they can't play. So, you know, that, that, again, that's a thing that I think saves you from those conflicts is that you just keep it real, honestly. Absolutely. All right. We'll, we'll get away from that. Cause I know that's, that could get a little uh, dicey. Uh, <laughs> uh, good, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's like, I feel kind of a general concept that can be applied, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and there, there's that, you know, those types of, you know, friction can happen anywhere, any workplace. It's not just, you know, miscommunications happen, or like you said, honesty is maybe something that you need to work a little harder to actually dig and find. So it's not just to this setting in, in particular. Yeah. So man, you've been absolutely great. You've given some, some great advice. Um, I'm still sort of looking to, to be your water boy and your towel boy. So maybe I can start picking up some hours elsewhere. That's what I want to do. But you got to give me your Super Bowl prediction for 2021, and then I got a, a few uh, fun questions for you. Oh, uh, dude, you already know it's going to be. An- <laughs> Who, who's that? This year, how can how can I not go with the home team? How can I Absolutely. not go with the home squad? Absolutely, man. I told you when I messaged you, you guys pulled my soul out of my body when you when, the, when you guys beat the Seahawks, right? I was like, man, what's going on? This is not. This was not. We know how this was supposed to go down, yeah. but anyway, yeah. Um, okay, well, I, I should have known that's what you're. So now you're going to answer two of the following or more. Okay. I'm going to give you on the list a few questions. You can answer two, two or more. Okay. You can talk about the time you got the most drunk. 
a time you said something to somebody you immediately regretted or, or an embarrassing story. The biggest accomplishment in your life, your top five desserts, or a cause or charity that you're passionate about. All right, I'm going to go with the last two because uh, you don't want to <laughs> the first three. Um, no, why not? Uh, man, that, that's made for another podcast. Maybe the okay, final one. Yeah. Um, top five desserts. You know, um, I'm not sure if you've ever been to Mastro's, but they have this butter cake that is absolutely amazing. That butter cake? I don't even, I don't, I've never heard of butter cake. It has to be from Mastro's. Like, you can go to Lazy Dog, get a butter cake. You can go to, like, you know, all these other places. You have to get a Mastro's butter cake. Even if you get it to go, definitely worth the trip and the money just to get... So I should drive six or seven hours down to LA, go to Mastro's, uh, buy a butter cake, turn around, come back. There might be one up by you in second. You think so? There might be. Yeah, they're, they're, all, they're, they're all over. They're all over for sure. Oh, okay, okay. I thought this was like local. Okay, continue. continue. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you have a Costco membership, I would highly suggest they have this new decadent fudge brownie <laughs> that is- I love you just went from some really niche to like, you have Costco? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hey man, you, you gotta have like you know, you have to have a wide range of, of right, of, right. You, know, you have to have a, a a continuum and a spectrum of palette. Um, awesome. I mean, you microwave that thing; it comes out fudgy and amazing with some ice cream. Absolutely awesome. Big fan of apple pie, um, Dutch apple pie with like the crumbs on top. Big fan of that. Um, can't go wrong with a warm chocolate. Uh, Chocolate chip cookie. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, whether it be a bazooki or whatever, I mean, you really can't. Oh, yeah. Oh, big fan. Big fan of those. Yeah. Is um, that four or five? That's four. four. My last one, red velvet cake. Oh, yeah. Big fan of red velvet. That's a good one. Is there a favorite place you like to get red velvet cake at? Uh, I can't say there's one specific spot. I feel like most red velvet cakes are pretty dope. So, um, I just, you know, red velvet cake in general. All right, all right. That's good. And what about a cause or charity you're passionate about? Yeah. So there's actually this place in the LA area called a place called home and they're an organization that helps the inner city youth, um, with school programs and kind of getting them, you know, to the next level of education and providing pathways to get there. So after school programs and, you know, these programs for high schoolers to get to college and, you know, kind of get them involved with ways that will help, you know, that possibility, um, having opportunities for them to learn about science and math, which is hard to do if you don't have the means to get there, right? You know, you have to have certain equipment to learn about science, you know, you have to have a means to be able to do that. So providing a way for them to learn more about different trades and different aspects of education and having an outlet for them, you know, um, a place to go when, you know, there is no other place to go, I think is an awesome thing that they have done an absolutely amazing job with. It's a company and organization that um, we would have worked with closely and, you know, really try and help with whatever they need. Um, because they do such a great job. So seeing the work that they've done has been awesome. So, you know, that place in the LA area called a place called home. That's beautiful, man. Love that. 
if you guys are interested, I'll put that in the show notes. It is APCH.org. That is the place called home website. All right, man. Last question. I, I was going to, I wasn't going to ask you this. I'm going to ask you anyway. I think I already know the answer. Do you play fantasy sports? Sorry. You play fantasy sports? Do I, fa- do I play? Do you play fantasy sports? You know what? We actually, I play fantasy basketball. Um, there you go. Yeah. 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 We have a little thing going in our office. Um, where we have either whether it be coaches, previous players, we have everybody playing. Well, I mean, we only allow twelve, but we get as you know a solid group of guys that play. Um, this is like my fourth year playing. Yeah, fourth year playing. I think I started playing like four or five years ago. So yeah, so yeah, that's kind of the big big fantasy sport that I'm that I'm into. Awesome, man. So I appreciate you coming on. It means a lot that you'd respond to this dude who. Uh... You know, I'm just this random guy who talks about fake football, theoretical football. <laughs> I treat patients on the side, it seems like. Uh, but I appreciate you coming on. This was uh, a wealth of knowledge. This was fantastic. Everyone, make sure you go follow him. Uh, follow Dr. John Hernandez at J Hearns. That's H-E-R-N-Z-Z-Z on Instagram. John Hernandez ZPT on Twitter. Anything else you want to say, man? No, man, I really appreciate the opportunity, Edwin. Um you know, I know it took a little while, but, you know, st- staying with it, I really appreciate that. And you do a great job, man, even just from doing this podcast, just how you speak and you can tell your heart's in the right place, man. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on. It means a lot. Those, those are some kind words. So make sure to subscribe, review, tell us what you think about Dr. John Hernandez. Go follow him on Instagram and on Twitter, the Los Angeles Rams assistant athletic trainer, for physical therapist. Thanks again, man. Awesome. Thank you.